Well, good morning, Oakwood. That'd be funny if it wasn't so true, wouldn't it? How often do we give God the leftovers or, or maybe nothing? He is so good to us, and uh, yet we ignore Him. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. One of the things I hope you will realize in this series is that you come to understand that everything that we have comes from God. We're in week three of our financial freedom series, and I'm just going to stop here for a little infomercial. If you have not picked up your free resources, okay, now these are not free to us, but they're free to you because we want you to have these resources. We believe that the information contained in, in both this book and this workbook are so valuable that they can absolutely change your finances and get you on a path to financial freedom. If you want to stop by the info uh, desk out here in the, in the lobby as soon as we're done, we want to get, get you a copy of both of those. I heard about a guy that went to the doctor and he said, Doctor, I just heard everywhere. And he goes, where, where do you hurt? He goes, well, I heard here, and I heard here, 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 everywhere I touch, I, I hurt. Doctor examined him. He said, I think I figured out the problem. He goes, great. He goes, I just want, I just want to be pain-free. What's, what's the problem? He goes, you've got a broken finger. <laughs> well, when it comes to money, people are always quick to point out the reason why it's not their fault. But often, the reason they have financial pressure or in this bondage of debt is because of their own choices. I want to tell you something this morning, okay? No matter what you've been told or who told you, the result of the financial bondage that you're in or the financial pressure is the result of your own choices and consequences. For every choice we make, there is a consequence. But we want to ignore that fact. And it's amazing the choices that people will make when it comes to money. Several years ago, James Patton and Peter Kim published the results of a national survey that was titled, The Day America Told the Truth. And this was a survey, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? Okay, $10 million, that's, that's a considerable amount of money for most of us. Here's what people said that they would be willing to do for $10 million. 25% of those polls said that they would abandon their entire family. 23% said they would become a prostitute for a week or more. 16% said that they would give up their American citizenship. Four, or, uh, 16% said they would also leave their spouse. 10% said that they would withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free. This is one shocked me, but 7% said that they would kill a stranger. 3% of those polls said that they would put their kids up for adoption. Isn't that unbelievable what people will do for money? But yet it's unbelievable also that people believe they can make choices concerning their money and there is no consequence attached to it. If you and I want to change how we view money, 
And if we want to have financial freedom, we've got to change some of the choices that, that we make. I hope you brought your Bibles with you today because we're going to use a lot of scriptures, okay? If you didn't bring your Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. I know some of you use the, the Bible app, however you want to follow along. But we're going to begin, we're going to jump off from Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Follow along with me. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and years and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your own heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and your first fruits of all your produce. And then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. And these 10 verses, I believe, can be summed up with really three statements. That we need to remember what God says. We need to trust who God is. And we need to honor God. God. We need to remember, trust, and honor. And I really want to focus in on the last two verses here of Proverbs chapter 3 because the choice here is really pretty clear that we need to honor the Lord with your wealth. And then he even gets a little bit more specific when he says, with your first fruits of all your produce. Now, when we choose not to do that, we are dishonoring God. Now, one of the things that we're going to get to in just a minute is to talk about the first fruits. Okay? That means to give God the first, the best, not the leftovers, not the discarded stuff that nobody wants, but the best. Dave Ramsey, in his book, How to Have More Than Enough, says, if you're not tithing, giving God the first 10% of your income, start today. Make giving the first check you write and at the top of your budget, He said, have you noticed that perhaps your failure to honor God off the top of your income is one of the reasons that you've been struggling financially? Now, maybe you're thinking, how am I supposed to tithe? I can't even pay my own bills. Now you want me to give God some money? Well, it may mean that you have some choices to make. It may mean you have to get rid of some things, but don't rob God. Now, I want to tell you, this right here is a a point where a lot of Christians get a big hang-up. Because they'll quickly point out, well, you know now the tithe, that was an Old Testament principle, and that was the Old Testament covenant. We are under the New Testament covenant now. So that really doesn't apply to us anymore. Really. Let's see what Jesus said about that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. In what we know is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made two absolutely amazing declarations. In verse 17 of chapter 5, he said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then he made another declaration where he talked about the expectations here. In verse 19, he said, Therefore, whoever relaxes on one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. 
But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see, he didn't come to do away with those Old Testament laws. But he said, I came to fulfill them. And I didn't come to lower expectations. I actually came to raise those expectations. In chapter 5, look at on verse uh, 21. You've heard that it was said, those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. And whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Okay, so under the Old Testament law here, we saw that murder was wrong, but Jesus said, okay, do you have anger in your heart? So did he lower expectations? No, he raised that expectation. Verse 27, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. The Old Testament command was simple, don't commit adultery. But Jesus said, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Did that lower expectations? No, it actually raised them. Verse 38, you've heard that it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth. But I say, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So did Jesus lower or raise the expectations? Here again we see he raised the expectation. Verse 43 You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you. Okay, so did he lower our expectations in the New Testament? No, he raised them. So what did Jesus say about tithing? This is one of the key points that people are quick to bring up um, when, in their defense of the Old Testament and the reason why they don't like to give or tithe to the Lord. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you tithe the mint, the dill, and the cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You see, Jesus didn't come to lower our expectations. He didn't say, I'm, I'm coming to remove the tithe. And in fact, when you read through the New Testament, you will see that what is taught is sacrificial giving. He didn't lower it, but he raised the expectation. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. We're going to see some of the key points that Jesus made about giving here. He said, do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroying where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. See, what he's saying to us here is, why would we want to store up treasures here on this earth? Because eventually this stuff's going to wear out, break, it's going to be destroyed. I've done a lot of funerals 
and I have yet to find anyone who's taken anything from this life, no matter how wealthy they were. And I've done some funerals for some very, very wealthy people, but none of them have been able to take that wealth on into eternity with them. The only thing that you will take from this earth into heaven is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus said, store up for yourself treasures on earth. So the only way to get treasures into heaven is to invest in things that are going to be in heaven. That's why Jesus said in Luke 16, 9, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. In other words, what he's saying is you need to be using your wealth here on this earth to impact the kingdom of God and make sure that there are other people in heaven because you invested. Verse 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He made it very clear that what and we give and how we give reveals what's in our heart. It's real easy to understand where our priorities are when, it look, when we look at the things that we have. When we look at the things that we invest and we spend our money in. That little video we watched was a great description. Hobbies, cars, houses. Those things of, uh, that entertain us. Jesus went on to say here in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap or gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Then he goes on and he says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need him, need them all. But seek first the kingdom of his God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you understand what a guarantee that is? Where else can you have a guarantee? There's nobody else that's going to give this kind of a guarantee that says, you know, I'm going to make sure you have clothes. I'm going to make sure you have something to eat. I'm going to make sure you have a house to live in. God gives you that guarantee. And if he breaks that guarantee, let me tell you, you will be the very first person since the, the creation of man, mankind and the creation of this world that God has failed his promise. Pretty good odds. You'd be the very first person that God has ever failed to keep his promise. Paul said in Philippians 4, 9, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you as well. But that's kind of almost saying a different way of what we saw in Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. And then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Do you understand that that's what happens? We give God first and then the blessing come. We sometimes want to get these out of order. We want the blessing and then we give God the leftover. He says, you honor me with the first fruits, your wealth, and then guess what? Get ready for the blessing. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 8. Begin with verse 17. Lord said, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the path of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasures. If you and I are going to achieve financial freedom, and if we're going to get anything from this series, we have got to make some changes. We talked about the change in in week one, about changing our attitude, about who this stuff belongs to, and who our money belongs to. Last week, Eric talked about avoiding the bondage of debt. And and let me tell you, this is something that I see so many Christians find themselves in deep financial debt. Today, it's all about choosing to honor God with our wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth and your first fruits. And then your vats, your barns will be filled overflowing. So what's it mean to honor someone? What's it mean? The, it literally means to treat somebody with great respect, to give them special attention. The Hebrew word means to weigh down, like you're, you're weighing somebody down. O.S. Hawkins says, it's like the king who's weighed down with all the accessories of royalty, the crown, the robe, the train, the scepter, the medallion. You see, when we honor God, we literally crown Him as our Lord, and we're saying, you are the king of everything. I'm going to declare that you're a king. Solomon said, declare God king over your wealth with the first fruits. So how do we give God our first fruits? I want to tell you, the world doesn't understand first fruits. In fact, while I was working on this, my spell checker kept trying to, to correct first fruits. And I was typing it exactly as it was spelled in the Bible. First fruits, all one word. They kept trying to say there's no such of a word. See, the world doesn't understand this concept of giving God the very first part, the very best part. I asked some of our staff this week, what's the, the, you're eating a hamburger, what's the, the best bite, the first bite or the last bite? Think about that. Too often we give God the leftovers, the crumbs. So how do we give God our first fruits? You ready for this? By faithfully giving to God at least a tithe 
of what God blesses you every week. The single greatest thing that you could do to turn your financial situation around, no matter how bad it is, is to begin tithing to the Lord. A good friend of mine who raises wheat went to an ag seminar. It was all about wheat production. And the guy that was making this uh, presentation, he said, I just want to find out how many of you guys that raise wheat, how many of you buy crop insurance and how many of you don't buy crop insurance? I want to see your hands. And he said, now I want to find out why or why you don't buy this crop insurance. My friend said, when it came to his turn, he goes, I don't buy crop insurance because I tithe. That guy that was leading the seminar, he said, you what? He goes, I tithe. He goes, I, I trust God to uh, take care of me, and I tithe my income. And he said, he's never failed me yet. The guy goes, I want to talk to you after we're done here a little bit more about this idea and your plan. And so he got to talk with him afterwards and tell him, hey, I don't buy crop insurance because I find some promises in the Scripture that the Lord's going to bless me if I give to him first. And he goes, always have he goes but haven't you ever lost some crop because of hail or something he goes well sure anybody that's ever farmed will lose crops at some point but he said I'm always way more blessed by tithing than I would be without this guy goes that's interesting a lot of people don't even understand the blessings that we have I think a lot of the blessings that God gives us are completely ignored. Last week, the battery in my car went out. And, you know, nobody wants to buy a battery for your car, right? And this battery only lasted seven years. Come on, can't they make stuff that lasts anymore? <laughs> the average battery will last, what, three or four years? This one only lasted seven years, and, and so I was grumbling around about it. But, you know... I had to realize I was doubly blessed in the fact that, one, my battery lasted three or four years longer than it should have, and two, I was blessed with the financial resources to be able to go out and take care of this battery and get me another one. And I got to thinking about this, you know, I was blessed in the fact that last week I didn't get sick. I didn't have any appliances break down. I didn't go to bed hungry one single night last week because I didn't have any food. I didn't get arrested because I was running around naked because I didn't have any clothing. That would have been a sight, wouldn't it, huh? I didn't freeze to death at night because I had to sleep outside. God provided me a home and a bed to sleep in. And these are blessings that God gives me all the time. And you know what? It all begins with the tithe. For the Seibel family, it begins every week with a tithe. And it has since we've been married. God has blessed me with friends and family. God has blessed me with a church that loves and supports me. But it begins with a tithe. And I'm able to actually help some other things. I know some of you know we went to Africa this last uh, June. And Lee and I decided in, in January, we're going to set aside some of our money each week 
so that when we go to Africa, we can, we can present it to the missionaries that are on field there and say, we just want you to use that in any way possible. Just to bless somebody over there. I got a, an email this week of some of the things that they were able to, to provide with the money that we gave them. We uh, gave a pastor's wife, and I think we got some pictures here, a sewing machine. They make a lot of their own clothes. This lady is Rose. It's, uh, she's the pastor's wife here and can sing like you've never heard anybody sing before. But we were able to, to bless her with a sewing machine. There was a congregation there that we were able to bless with some hymnals in their native uh, Swaswazi language. And I don't put that stuff up there to brag, oh, look what we've done. No, let me tell you, when you follow God's plan found in Proverbs 3, by honoring God with the first, you're not going to want to quit there. You're going to want to give above and beyond that. Leah learned to tithe when she was in high school, and Leah was a bus kid. She didn't grow up in a Christian home, and she worked at a Perkins restaurant while she was in high school. It's kind of like a fancy IHOP. But there was a guy at her home church by the name of Grover Cleveland, and no, not the president, Grover Cleveland, but she was encouraged by his testimony of how he began to tithe. And he said, you know, I, I wasn't a tither, and I was challenged to tithe, and I thought, okay, God, you made this promise to me, and I'm just going to see if you'll keep good on it. And guess what? He began to tithe, and he said, you know, I really didn't even miss it. God continued to bless me, and I, I had everything I had before, and I was able to pay all my bills. And he said, I, I really didn't even miss it. So he thought, you know, I'm just going to see how far this promise goes. So he said, I started tithing 20%, giving God 20% of my income. And he said, you know, I really didn't even miss it. He goes, I was still able to do the things that I wanted to do, and I was still able to, to pay my bills. And he said, okay, I'm going to see how, how far I can test God. And he said, I started giving 30% of my income to God. And he said, I really kind of felt like this would be the end of it, that God had stopped the blessing, and now it would really begin to hurt, but it didn't happen. Then he went to 40%. He said, okay, this is going to be it. God will stop these blessings and I'll begin to, to financially hurt and I'll go without stuff and it didn't happen and so he upped it to 50% and he told the congregation he said I, I've got to be honest with you that's all the faith I have right now is to be able to give God 50% of my, my income but I'm working on it I'm working on increasing that even more can you imagine giving away God to God 50% of everything, and th that's all the faith I've got. That's a lot of faith, isn't it? You know, we can play games with the money that God gives us, but we won't win. We need to remember what God says, trust what God does, and honor who God is. And some of you have been conditioned to think this financial pressure you're under is a way of life, and I'll never get out of it. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Then in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, 5, speaking of Uzziah, As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. But it all begins with this verse, 
And this promise found in Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth and your first fruits and all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You see, you got to give, give to God first, then you receive the blessing. Not get the blessing and then whatever's left, give to God. I would rather live with the 90% with the blessing of God than 100% without the blessing of God. Amen? Now, I realize for some of you, you maybe have never even thought about tithing. And the reason we're doing this whole series isn't to increase the giving of the church as much as it is to increase your knowledge and for you to take control of the finances that God has blessed you with. And you have to realize it's not my money, it's God's money. You only get to manage it. You only get to decide how you spend it. That's why we're doing this financial series because when you honor the Lord, then you're able to bless others even beyond the tithe. And let me tell you, that feels really, really good. Maybe you haven't trusted the Lord even with the tithe. I want to just ask you start start where you're at. Maybe you think, Alan, if you only saw my spreadsheet, I've got this many bills and this much money and there's not enough. I can't tell you how it worked, but I want to tell you this. When you give to the Lord, He will take care of the needs that you have. It may mean you have to make some choices. Because every choice has a consequence. Bow your head and pray with me, please. Lord, as we uh, have talked about money today, Lord, I know it's a sensitive subject. And I know that uh, a lot of Christians feel like, oh, that's all the church ever wants to talk about is money. But Lord... There's a reason you spent so much time and there are so many verses of Scripture dealing with our money because you know the stranglehold that money can have on us. Lord, I'm asking those today that are struggling, Lord, you you bless them, but Lord, may they learn the principle of giving to you first. And Lord, then I'm asking you to remain faithful and you pour open the blessing that he will give pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a decision.